Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, Unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, three-body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This, this is, is the game, game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. I'm done sitting on my hands and waiting on the sidelines. I've been burned before on a group date with Thomas, and I'm not going to let it happen again. Thinking about leaving here without you is that's scary. The more I fall for you, the scarier it gets. You're, you know. What's up, guys? I hate to interrupt, but can I steal Katie? Not, not right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need at least a couple more minutes. But I just literally got here. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and what we have just witnessed 
was wall-to-wall play from some of the best players we've seen in recent Bachelorette history. Usually these Uh mid-regular season episodes, you're just waiting for floaters to get picked off. That was not the case tonight. High-level play from multiple players doing all kinds of different play styles. They say in mixed martial arts, the style makes the fight which means if you get a striker versus a grappler, it's going to be an awesome fight because you get to see which of those two styles really is better than the other one, and that is what happened mm-hmm. tonight. We got <laughs> shy style versus Blake Moynes, kind of traditional manly extrovert stroking his uh-huh. beard even in some cases. It was fucking brilliant. We got Hunter's hyper-aggressive attack style versus the more laid-back turtle style that a bunch of players are doing this season. Franco Lacosta's gazelle style <laughs> truly i'm like gazelle i style. loved this episode so much and i i mean i think part of it is franco <laughs> to Tra- be anytime honest. he's on screen i'm i'm smiling i love to yeah. watch this man work i wish they would have given us more of him he was, he was drastically underused but we're gonna get into all that we're gonna break down all the best plays the errors the creatures everything that you know and love about our beloved game but before we get to that we have two bits of business one is there's a new Game of Roses shirt available for purchase now. You just go Wowie. to Okay. <laughs> you just go to bonfire.com slash huju H U J U and you can pick up that shirt in a variety of colors. We also have a little video that I cut for that shirt that is up on all of our social media mm-hmm. currently. Links to this are in our bios. There are swipe up links in all of our stories. Uh, we hope that you enjoy it. This was a fun shirt to make. It was a fun yes. video to make for me. And I, I don't know. The commercial, to me, the is, you guys have to watch the commercial. The commercial is fucking hilarious. Clues did this all on his own this weekend. I went on vacation. Clues made a commercial and it is fantastic <laughs> look uh, you know to me the huju is it's the most entertaining of the sub sports within our beloved game to me i treat it like an art i grade it like the olympics because i believe <laughs> it has merit i believe the huju is an important part of any player's strategy especially in bachelor and we had to do our next shirt as a tribute to this sub sport to our beloved game within the beloved game. So we hope you enjoy the shirt and they will be available for 30 days. And then once that 30 days comes to its end, they will all be made and shipped out to you. Again, that's bonfire.com slash huju, H-U-J-U. And now we have one other bit of business before we jump into this game. And that's something we've been talking about this whole season, even before the season started that Katie Thurston is using social media in a way a lead never has. And tonight, as her episode was airing, she made a very important Instagram post, the likes of which we don't believe we've ever seen. I believe this is unprecedented. She made a tweet, which she then screenshotted and posted to her Instagram stories. And it reads as follows. Remember, you only get to see a portion of who these men are. For example, you probably didn't know Hunter has hashtag Tourette's. So I encourage everyone to think twice before commenting negative things about these men. Hashtag The Bachelorette. She is 
undermining what the producers are doing, the construction of the show. She's combating Hunter's hard, hard villain edit in this episode. Absolutely. This is fucking genius level work. And it is telling us something. She's taking control of this season in a way that basically is telling the producers, go fuck yourselves. I don't (laughs) think she cares if she's coming back, which means she is probably with someone. I do now think because of this post that this ends for her in an engagement. Because if she still had things to do within the Bachelor world, I don't think she'd be undermining a producer's villain edit. I mean, they're going to lean hard into Hunter and Aaron as a rivalry that's going to end in a two-on-one in the next couple of episodes, probably. I mean, Aaron's a professional rivalman at this point. (laughs) We'll get (laughs) to it. We're getting ahead of ourselves (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) He's just like, I need a new target. I need a new target. But at any rate, Katie is out here basically saying like, look, I know they're cutting him to be a villain, but remember, you're only getting to see five minutes of this. And here's something you didn't get to see. This is something the producers cut out of the show purposely Mm -hmm. to try and make him look worse, to try and minimize the amount of sympathy you might be able to have for him. I would wager he even told her that in the group date, that he PTC'd it a little bit, and they cut it out. He definitely told her at some point, and we know they don't have conversations off camera that frequently, so. Right. So congratulations to Katie for taking this giant step in the parasocial world. Again, to our knowledge, this type of thing is unprecedented. Sometimes leads will talk about things like this that happened on their season that you didn't get to see way later year or two later after their NDAs expired maybe they're on a podcast maybe they have a book or something she's doing this the night the episode is airing that is giving this guy a shitty edit and she's saying before you start hating this motherfucker remember this he's a human being he has fucking problems and this is what the producers didn't let you see I love this play from her me too and it continues a trend of what I have noticed which is that she is like a hype man for all of the players on her season. She posts all of these positive things about them. She posted about a Leo's, uh, some sort of um, charity that he was associated with that um, she has posted encouraging Connor B to post that full video of his song and she's reposting them. She's hyping all of them up. It makes me feel like she really cares about all of her players and she's trying to have all of them be successful, which is just like, it's very for TRR to me. Yeah. I mean, it's just understanding the social media game too. It's not just because she like wants to, you know, make these guys seem good or, paint them in a more kind of whole picture than what the show would do. She's trying to help them out on their social media accounts. She's Mm -hmm. trying to boost them. She's trying to give them parasocial power, which is fascinating. I don't think we've really ever seen that. Usually leads are like, whatever you get what you get. I'm not going to really help you, you know? No, we like, I don't remember Tasha or Claire posting like positive things about other players. I mean, I think it's usually because they're worried about posting something that will be a hint in some direction, but Mm-hmm. it's been something I've really enjoyed. And this tweet tonight, I was like, holy shit. Because, you know, it's a good thing to keep in mind just in general in life. Everyone has fucking shit. A bag of shit they're carrying around on their back that maybe you don't see. Speaking Is that a beautiful of bags metaphor? of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Let's start our analysis of tonight's big game. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So we open portion one. We get our little teaser tonight on The Bachelorette. It's our voiceover guy. We still don't know who the fuck this is. We are never going to know who this is. And we see that Andrew S. is going to get a one-on-one. Blake is going to get a one-on-one. He's going to get some kisses. The guys get pissed off. Uh, They're asking, why is he showing up now? Well, gentlemen, it's because the producers are throwing a curveball in and trying to fuck you all up. Hunter moves in and, and starts becoming aggressive, we see in this. He gets competitive as hell. There's going to be the forced nudity and forced violence group date, and someone is going to get hurt. That's what we get out of the little intro teaser. And then we move into the main body of our document here tonight. And what is the first image, Pace Case, that we see? I can tell you what it's not. It's not a fucking creature. We have a creatureless opening. Shock well, to the eyeballs. That's true, but we do have something else that I've been paying special attention to. Oh, God. You got wild eyes. We have a shot of a fence. The opening <laughs> image is a fence, and we've seen the fence used as a visual motif this season more times than I can count. And we're going to see it again even before the end of this intro. But here it is, the first shot. Of this entire game, it's a fucking fence by itself. No players anywhere, no creatures, nothing, just a fence. Take that for what it's worth. (laughs) Okay, I have a question. Yeah. I haven't noticed the fences, but I have noticed something else, and I'm wondering whether you consider this item to be in the fence category. Mm. The room with the two ladders, and Katie is always crying between these two ladders. Are those fences to you? No, I haven't noticed the ladders, but now I'm going to start looking for ladders. Oh, I see them all the time. I'm fixated on the fences. But after this fence shot, we go into the resort, and it's the guys getting ready in the morning. And we see them eating. We see somebody standing on somebody else's back, cracking it. Trey gets a little colorful narration about what's been going on. And we get this beautiful shot of Greg Grippo and Connor the Catman B. They're snuggling. Shy style. Greg Grippo is petting his head. And it is just this, it's this beautiful it's image. Tot. It's a continued tot. He's cleaning him like a cat. But they fucking, they give these two guys this, basically it's a, it's shy style in portraiture. This is a beautiful image of two shy style players playing shy style, even to the second audience here. Nobody else is cuddling with each other, cleaning each other's hair. These are the two shy style players, and they're doing it for everyone. I loved it. I love this shot. ABB, always be bromancing. Get your second audience game on. I thought this series of images was designed to be like, everything is fine in paradise. I also enjoyed, I think this was Andrew Spencer, but I couldn't tell, uh, doing yoga. Little upper dog action. Yeah. That was just for you. And then we see Blake pondering as he's ITMing about how excited he is to be starting this whole adventure. And he knows the guys aren't going to be happy. He's kind of laying out the track ahead of him for where he knows he's going to have to go. He's going to have to deal with the situation he is now going to be the center of. And we get at the end of that another shot of a fence just to let you know. And then we see Katie walking down a path with Caitlin Bristow. 
and they're discussing how Nick Vial came on her season. And Caitlin gives us a little history lesson here. There, I think there are a lot of viewers who are not going to remember this. New viewers, new to the game, that really will not remember Caitlin Bristow's season when Nick Vial did exactly what Blake Moynes did, crashed the season in episode four, and he wound up getting second place that season. And Bristow basically says to Katie, it was rough. Her guys were very hurt. <laughs> they were mad, uh, caused damage. And she's like, there were a bunch of guys that I already bonded with, and they really got upset. And then she's like, well, you know what? Actually, they all got upset. So <laughs> basically, Katie's like, yeah. oh, Jesus, this sucks. My ring winner wouldn't even call him by his name the whole season. Called him the other guy. <laughs> Still one of my favorite things that has ever happened in the history of our beloved game. While uh, Bristow and Thurston are strutting their stuff near a fence, Tasha enters the house. Issues a how you doing. And <laughs> sweet Aaliyah, excited to get a new week going. Tasha goes, this is Katie's journey. And that journey is about to change. A man reached out to me, a man that I know and trust, a man that has good intentions. And he asked to join for a chance. Katie made the decision to explore that relationship just like she has with each one of you. That man will be here soon. And she just evaporates. And they can't question it because it's coming from Tasha, And that is why you want the host to do these things. Not Katie. And what is the timeline here? I don't get this. So these guys are just finding this out now, but we know he's actually been there since two episodes ago, since before the Circle of Pain date with Nick Vial. So he's just been sequestered. They don't know about him. They haven't been told this. Or did this thing that we're watching happen before? Is all of this shit out of order? I'm just like, <laughs> temporarily, this makes no sense to me. I have no fucking idea what's actually going on in the timeline. It doesn't make sense to me either. Sometimes they allude to it acting as if Blake Boynes has been sequestered for months. And even Blake, when he's explaining it, we'll get to it, but he va he doesn't want to say the producers made me, but he alludes to it being a long time for Katie to make this decision, which also doesn't seem right. Yeah, something know. very strange is happening here. My theory is this. They uh -huh. get into this fucking season, and they're like, the producers are like, do you think there's a guy here that like could be your guy? And she's like, yeah, I like a couple of them, but I'm not like really locked into anything. And they're like, what about if we bring in somebody else? I think mm. she probably made the decision ultimately to even entertain that. I would, I would imagine, you know, but who the fuck knows? So none of the guys are happy about this and we're going to get to this, but this is not the reaction you want to give in this situation. You want to keep your cool. This is a producer machination. They are trying to fuck you all up, and it is working. You need to stay calm, play your fucking game. And so then Blake walks in. He stands in silence for a few awkward moments. <laughs> Grippo ITMs how bad this sucks. And then Blake does a pretty good play here. He's like, look, I know exactly how this feels. Because it happened literally to him one season ago. And he kind of laughs, and he says he doesn't like the tension he can feel already. But he says, I assure you, I'm here just for Katie. And then Michael A. says, why did you show up halfway through? Michael A. <laughs> because the producers did that. They brought him in halfway through specifically to fuck you up. I, I can't stand this type of shit anymore at this phase of the game. When the players assume it's like, you did this. You came in late. You're fucking all this up. It's like the producers control all of this shit. If you're not 100% aware of that at this point, you shouldn't be on the field, in my opinion. 
They need things to happen midway through the season, especially in a bubble season. That is why we're seeing these things happen, and it's not all the surprises are on night one. Um, also, didn't we establish that Brendan is Blake's friend? Yes. <laughs> did they? Did they greet? Did they cut out a hug here? I don't know. Maybe that's something you're going to use for later. Maybe there was a whole two-hour thing between them that they're just going to air in the next episode and make it make pretend like it's happening then instead of mm-hmm. now. Who the hell knows? They, yeah, this conversation is so weird. They talk around production, slightly blame Katie. Courtney does a little, little mini error here. Questioning Blake Moines, like you're saying, all of them should be on board and then they should be talking to Katie and being like, this is your journey. Whatever you need to do to come to the best decision for you, I support you. That's what they all should be doing. Instead, Courtney's like, we just had a guy here for TWR. Blake's like, technically, it's a third bachelorette, but I feel like I haven't met anyone quite like Katie. And then knock, 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 of course. Date card at that moment. Who's on the date card? That knock, by the way, sounded like a fucking battering ram. I don't know if you caught the audio of it. It sounded like they were going to kick in the fucking door. It wasn't just like a knock, knock, knock. It was like. <laughs> it was. Very well, I think they were weird. probably like all listening to the conversation. And they're like, when are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? Okay, yeah. now's a good time. <laughs> Go. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> um. And designated aggro bro Aaron says, I'm not happy necessarily, so don't expect me to be happy. It is what it is. And Blake gets the one-on-one date. And we see that Hunter ITMs, he's completely pissed off. And the one-on-one card says, let's make up for lost time. Love, Katie. Everybody is pissed. And again, it's like, this is a game you're playing, guys. Some of you are even aware that you're playing the game and have openly stated that. But you don't quite understand this is a part of that game Blake ultimately ITMs that he doesn't have time to be worried about if these guys are mad or not this is a high level of understanding and exactly how you play the gate crasher strategy you always are going to have to come in at least on the line of a not here to make friends strategy and do a mad dash for all the time you can get because you're already far behind in the game this is what Michelle Young did on Matt James's season as well and there is a fine line you do have to walk with a not here to make friends strategy because it can immediately turn off a second audience, make them turn on you. And we've seen this specific second audience has the power to unionize and get somebody out of the fucking game almost immediately. So he's got to be careful with that. But it's really the only strategy you can play because the rest of the players are at least going to feign anger at you if they don't genuinely have it. But I agree with you. Where is Brandon in all this? If they're friends, he's at least got one person in the second audience who's going to be cool with him being there. I think it's cut. I think any sort of tension cutting jokes or anything like that, they cut, cut, cut. They just want mm-hmm. pure silence, male aggression. Yeah. Right. Um, or he's a shitty friend. Who knows? <laughs> just <laughs> like, just yeah, throw him. him under the bus. He's just been quarantined too long. Yeah. <laughs> Blake's like, syndrome. dude, fuck you went this to my guy. 10th birthday party, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, what the fuck? He's like, I don't know you. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Portion two begins, and we have a rare creature for this episode, a small bird flying off of a stump. Not my creature of the week. 
this bird sitting on a stump, as you call it, but I choose to believe it is a post on a fence. <laughs> and because this bird was sitting on a fence, shaking his tail feathers and strutting his stuff through the air as he flew away, this bird was my... <laughs> Creature of the week. There wasn't a lot to choose from by way of creatures in this episode, so I had to take what I could get. And the fact that he was on a fence, I think, means something. I'll find that meaning later, but I love this bird. Oh, my God, I'm crying. I haven't cried since Michael Leo's speech. <laughs> Everybody was crying at that shit. We'll get to it. Um, uh, This bird flies off this quote-unquote fence and blake Boyd's is getting ready for his date primping his hair says he's giddy looking for a rose and a vibe and a connection katie goes to the house issues a how you doing more silence oh boy just want to open up the floor and see how you all felt and again courtney with the little mini ears i'm curious how you guys know each other have you guys talked outside of here this is this is wrong on so many levels. You're questioning her integrity, Courtney. You were in my top four. How dare questioning you? Questioning her integrity. Also implying that if you've connected on social media prior to this, it somehow goes against the game. And it's like, I don't know if you watch season 16 of The Bachelorette, dude, but like, that's over now. If you're not DMing her before the season, you're fucking up. So of course he DM'd her. And she tells them though she's like well you know he dm'd me but i never pursued anything mm, really are mm. we to believe that is this a mossy and cybering scenario i don't know we know we know he dm'd claire and we know he's he dm'd a, he's a katie. dmer katie mentions that here he dm'd me but i didn't pursue it so we don't know but how the rest of the group reacts to this was my Error, 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 error of the game. It is a collective error. I am bestowing it upon the entire group. <laughs> the guys are completely icy to her. Not one of them played this correctly, with the exception maybe of Brendan, and they cut it out. I don't know. But they're further falling into this collective identity. And the further they do that, the more they become a group who's mad at her and Blake Moynes is the interloper, the more they push her to him. They're separating him as the only individual here. And they're all driving her right into his arms as he played uh, this entire moment perfectly. Silent, standing off to the side. He's already got the one-on-one date. No need to rub it in. And if you looked closely at Blake Moynes during this, while well, these guys were kind of like pissed at Katie, you see this motherfucker curling up a little smile on the corner of his mouth every fucking time we see him. This is Duper's delight. He knows he's already won the fucking game. He's watching these guys get pissed at her, and he knows exactly what that means. This is utter dominance by a player who is playing a different game now, and he knows it. This is, I hate to say it, Vial-level expertise. We know how you hate to say the word Vial. 
<laughs> I just hate comparing people to him because you know I don't know if I should be the doing great, it. He right. is at a okay. he's a different level. We should be doing but, that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this was my this was my runner up for error. We like say. Katie, we trust your judgment. We want you to be 100% sure you're making the right decision. Whatever you need to do, that is the only right response. But there is another error that, to me, was bigger. Absolutely, because not only is it pushing her toward Blake Moines, not only is it doing this thing where it's collectivizing your identity, I'm just now one of the guys that's pissed at you. It's showing a level of... Insecurity insecurity lack of confidence that it's like oh this guy i've been here if you can't beat a fucking guy who comes in with such a deficit of time you're terrible if that guy's deficit really of a time to you, deficit of 4trr all of it like come on guys you gotta be stronger than this you gotta present and project that confidence none of them do here it, it was a horrible play by the group in my opinion well, I didn't see Blake Moines's little smile, but he now takes it into his one-on-one date with Katie. He, they hold hands and they walk down this desert street, and Blake plays an IFI right off the bat. As a kid, I've always been terrified of horses. Hmm, has a fear of horses. What's going to happen next? And like if he talked about that phobia in any of his intake, I mean, at some point he told the producers that over the last two fucking years, you know, they're like, get that fucker on a horse date. So he knows what's coming up here. And who knows if he really has the fear or if that's a play. Either way, he handled the horse okay. Uh, He had a little trouble getting her started. But once they got into the groove, it seemed all right. Even though the producers were putting a little bit of a fool edit music over him riding the horse. Yes. He was getting a fool at it at the beginning, but interestingly, I think he overcame it. I mean, I'm not surprised. He's an animal lover, clearly, and this is just an animal he's not familiar with. Uh, he says, the first time I talked to you, I was so nervous. Asked her if she's traveled a lot. And he tells her all he does is advocate for animals. So he goes to Africa a lot. And he says, there's going to be portions where I have to go to Africa for a month because I'm working. And Katie says, I kind of like that, though. I loved how he starts this date off. You're like, I don't know. He's bad with horses. Then he turns it around on the horses. And we've talked about how this animal husbandry one-on-one date is a bad date because it's hard to get close to somebody. It's hard to have emotional conversations when you're on a horse and there's this um, wild card. But he's future casting on this. He's showing what type of lifestyle he would offer Katie. And he's offering one of goofy, animal-filled sex adventures, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and he's offering a future life where he's going to be gone for at least a month at a time. So you'll have your space, too. He makes the horse jump a little bit, tries to get Katie to see it. I, this course was almost my creature of the week because it was designed to torture Blake Moines, but it just ended up being another great part of Blake Moines' play style. And it's not often that a creature is blatantly baked into the emotional story. Appreciated that horse, but. Blake, ITMs, I feel like I know her already and I don't. I think our lives are kind of aligned and it just feels right. And I hear echoes here of Dale Moss. 
you played against the Moss Man, who went hard and fast. Love at first sight all the way. And Blake Moines is doing exactly that same thing. It's also a nod to, again, this is very Mossian, but it's a nod to the power of the parasocial relationship. I feel like I already know her. It's because you've been fucking watching her on TV and looking at her Instagram for the past eight months. You do feel like you know her. That's a parasocial relationship, dude. And according to Clues, he does know her. And yeah, maybe he actually does. (laughs) He's like, I feel like I know her because we've been DMing and cybering for the past six months. They go on a little picnic. Blake says he's grateful to be here. She says it wasn't an easy decision, but it was the right one. Even on our horse ride, we kept saying things. And I was like, check, check, check. It was so easy. Someone I can be myself around. And Blake says, when you say that, I don't know if it's butterflies, but it gives me those little things that you need to feel. Feels good, but right. And he's, it's a good kiss lead in line, but he's now using the word but in the wrong place twice, in the wrong way twice. Usually you follow the word but by a negative, but he follows it with another positive. I thought it was very Canadian, a little Canadian touch there. (laughs) Usually for him, I guess, things feel good, but wrong. But this was an L01 in my books. You give me butterflies. And they get the kiss. She comments that he's a good kisser. She likes his chemistry game. And then back they at the kiss. house. Katie says, okay, you're a good kisser too. Check. And there's something that we in comedy writing call a tag, like a funny line to go out on a scene. And Katie is making her own tags here. I love it. It's a call back to her earlier checklist. So good. And then we head back to the main house and we see the shy style players connor the catman b and greg grippo in some game talk do you see blake as a contender the catman asks (laughs) and grippo says yeah a big one connor b doesn't like hearing that and they both know they're fucking sunk in this moment he's everything they're not here we are seeing these stylistic matchups come head to head it's shy style versus Blake's more extroverted, traditionally masculine style. And the soft boys are going to run into trouble. Now, we're going to see how Grippo reacts to that a little bit later, which is interesting. And we're going to see how Connor B reacts to it a little bit later, which is interesting as well. But then back on the 101, we see some more making out. While Connor and Grippo are back in the house talking about if he's a threat or not, we're getting these shots of Blake literally laying her in hay doing the kind of you know prone makeout sessions she's on top of him he's on top of her there ain't no asking for a kiss here that is important to note because many of these shy style players have these stutter steps into a kiss where they ask for it or they're like is now a good time to kiss or whatever Blake Moynes ain't doing none of that and it seems to be working and I'm not shitting on asking for a kiss or anything like that these are just two Radically different play styles, and we're going to see which one in our beloved game is going to work the best. Yeah, I personally love the consent style. (laughs) Blake is getting consent. I'm not saying that he's not getting consent. (laughs) Clearly, she's giving consent. She fucking loves it. She's saying, check on this and check on that, and I like the way that you're kissing me. He's just not going about it in the same way he's not stutter stepping into a shy style version of it he's doing his more kind of like brazen extroverted version Blake Moines has big clay penis energy 
That's right. We've seen a shaman wave a magic talisman over his penis and give him an erection. This is not a man who's going to ask for a kiss. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Portion number three. Uh, we get our first trigger warning Chiron of the episode. The following segment explores themes of consent and sexual assault. Viewer discretion is advised. Uh, trigger warning for this section for this podcast as well. Skip maybe 10, 15 minutes. The guys are at the house. There's a knock. Hunter talking about that Pavlovian response. Here's a knock on the door, which means date card. Group date card goes to Greg, Courtney, Aaron, Virgin, Mike, Michael, A., I was like, who is AM? Andrew Milkovich, still here. Josh, Justin, Brendan, James, Connor B, Trey, Hunter. Love is a battlefield. So Andrew Spencer is getting the one-on-one, and he's so happy. And this shit, love is a fucking battlefield. You got to fight for love. The producers aren't even trying anymore to make it like veiled what this date might be. Love is a battlefield. You're going to get hurt. This is going to be a forced <laughs> violence date, so get fucking ready. Back on the one-on-one -on -one date, Katie tells Blake that she can't stop smiling. To be honest, we're like the same. I was ready to be here again and see you and talk to you more. Blake says, there's something I want to talk about. What has made you so open and sex positive, but being very vocal and public about it? And Katie tells this story, which she told initially in the circle of pain group date 10 years ago i was at a new year's eve party had been drinking someone i consider a friend didn't receive consent from me then you can assume the rest from that there was a lot of guilt on my part with that feeling like it was my fault i was in denial about what happened so much that i pursued him aggressively to try to make it so we were in a relationship so that it wasn't what it really was you know that affected me for a long very long time in terms of unhealthy relationship with sex in terms of not wanting to have sex and then also when I was in a relationship feeling like I should have sex as much as he wants, eventually the Me Too movement happened and it started to give me some power back in that situation in terms of taking away the blame I put on myself for what happened. Slowly became more comfortable talking about sex, owned who I was. Katie sharing this story, I can't get over like how fucking important this conversation is. Um, have you watched the show I, I May Destroy You? I haven't seen it yet, no. I recently started watching it. I'm not all the way through. It is a dark British comedy by Michaela Cole, the actor from Chewing Gum. But she created, wrote, direct, produces it. It's about sexual assault and consent, and it explores different versions of sexual assault that people may not even realize are assault, like um, someone taking a condom off without consent, which is called... I think it's loosely called stealthing. The show is so, it's so fucking good. And it feels very real. It's one of my favorite shows I've seen in a long time. But I just, I really enjoy this. Not enjoy, but appreciate that this conversation is starting to happen. And that, you know, Me Too has kind of brought out this, a lot of conversations people are having where they are not even realizing that they were assaulted. And then you do realize it. And I, I know I've talked with a bunch of people from like my mom's generation and they have like grappled with a lot of that because especially like back then it was like that shit was rampant. 
Um, and like I grappled with it too. I remember thinking about like how there was just a frat at my college that was known as like the rape frat. It was like, don't go there because people will drug you and rape you basically. And I remember just being like, not even thinking that that was weird and talking to other friends being like, yeah, there's a blah is the frat that is like that at my college. And I'm just like, how was that an acceptable thing? There was one at USC as well. I was never in the frat system, but I had my sophomore year, the first half of it, my two roommates were rushing and they had stories about like, yeah, we're not rushing that frat. Like that's the rape frat. I don't remember what it was, but similar. <laughs> Maybe like every college campus has it. I don't know. I, I think it might. And it's like the college rape and assault like numbers are like astounding. I personally know multiple people who got raped in college and it's, it's sorry, this is like a lot, but, um, yeah anyway (laughs) dark tangent yeah it's it's fucked up and i agree with you that it's good to have things like this on tv and to see it especially in the fucking bachelor for whatever it's worth i'll just say this these past three seasons have had a lot of fucking problems but they have done some things right they have forwarded conversations in a way and put things in the show that i just never in a million years would have expected in a wide no. variety of, of uh, different subjects. And this is one of them. I mean, we watched all those seasons. There's no conversations like this in them. Not at all. Not even close. Blake uh, responds to this story. I'm really sorry to hear that. No one deserves to go through it. He has a new appreciation. Hope she knows that he'll be mindful of this topic. Um, even though he's sex positive, doesn't want her to feel a certain way or scared of him. She appreciates it. Switches the subject. Did you have fun on the horses? He says, I did. I want a horse now. He loaded a horse, IFI wall, and he overcame it. (laughs) Immediately. He also, in this, says, you know, I don't want you to feel scared of me in any way about my sex positivity and all that. And um, she asks him if he's ever been in love before. And he says, yes. And it seems like they've cut out a heartbreak PTC here. It seems like there was more to that story that we just didn't get. Maybe it's going to come up in a later date or something, but it seems like they removed something from that conversation, in my opinion. Oh, I they definitely did. I felt like they were doing a bunch of quick cuts to be like, look, they're mm-hmm. getting to know each other. Have you ever been in love before? What happened? And then I'm never going to judge you. It, yeah, it was just like a couple random sentences from their conversation. They cut, cut together. It was strange. But then he... Gets that one-on-one rose. He gets that kiss. They emerge from their little fake dinner setup into a private concert by Lane Hardy, who I'm sure they quarantined for two weeks. And they make out while they dance to a song called Memorize You. Lane Hardy has 585,000 Instagram followers. And in his bio, we see Psalm 151-5. Psalm 151-5 is, Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for surpassing greatness, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and the lyre, praise him with timbrel and dancing, praise him with the strings and pipe, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals. So it's a kind of musical 
praising. <laughs> it has some kind of musical affiliation here, but it's also sweet Christian Jesus. They make out during this performance. And KDITMs, I could see myself walking away with Blake at the end of this. There, I said it, but it's the truth. We're going to see. I think he's got that road open if he wants it. I Honestly, it's his season. I think he can do whatever he wants. I said that last week. I'll say it again. I'm on board. Like, I feel like it's, he's going to be hard to beat. But, I mean, the f- fucking promo. We'll get to it. Uh, yeah. We get another Chiron. If you or someone you know has experienced sexual assault, know that you are not alone. Help is avail. Anytime, 24-7, 800-656-HOPE slash R-A-I-N-N dot org. End sexual assault trigger warning uh, portion. Portion four begins. It's the morning. We see a shot of a red flag. It has been set up as a boundary in a makeshift sporting field, and the group date is ready to go. (laughs) Katie is standing in the middle of this field. The guys run up to her. Hunter gets there first. He gets the hug. She ITMs that Grippo is struggling in these group environments. That's one of the weaknesses of Shy Style. It's a very focused first audience style of play. It's going to have trouble in big group settings with the second audience. And Katie tells them all that sports are a big part of her life. And two people who are athletic legends are there to help her with this fucking group date. And everybody's talking about, like, who's it going to be? Some professional Michael basketball Jordan. player, football player? Yeah. No, Phelps. it's Wells Adams and Franco LaCosta. They pull up their <laughs> golf cart in short shorts so hard. and headbands. It was fucking hilarious. They're both in tiny Franco LaCosta shorts. And Franco says... <laughs> he justifies their sports stuff. I love the trapeze. He does soccer. These two, they had two different tots. They performed their own tots. Standy, limo exit, the colorful narration. I loved everything about this entrance. I mean, obviously, Franco LaCosta was my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. week, 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 week. Franco LaCosta was also my Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Let's just take one moment, if we may, to review the rich history, or the, I should say the recent history of Franco LaCosta. Every time we've seen him, LaCosta is brought into these group dates to do what he does. That's take beautiful photographs of people doing activities on the group dates, or in some cases on a one-on-one, like he did with uh, Zach and Tasha on last season of Bachelorette. Here, LaCosta has no camera. Here, LaCosta is simply an entertaining host of this date. His mm-hmm. stake is being leveled upped up. in this moment. He's just like a character now that they're bringing in. He's not even performing a function. I found that to be astounding. And I'm wondering, is he on another date later? Is he there to ever take pictures of anything? We do see in that (laughs) promo that there's a thing of Katie Thurston in a wedding dress with a guy in a tux. And I think maybe that date is one we're going to see again where they all have to get wedding pictures taken. I hope. At least here, they're just using Franco LaCosta as like a sidekick to fucking Wells Adams. 
maybe his promotion is part of the bubble season. It's like, well, we can just keep one bystander on hold. By the way, someone is like, is that Shaq? And they said Shaq would not be leaning out of the cart like that. I laughed so fucking hard. (laughs) (laughs) But then we get Um, from our two guest hosts the name of this date. It is going to be called Bachelorette Bash Ball Battle. It is described as rugby meets basketball. So this is a game invented by the producers specifically to cause injury. That is Mm -hmm. the only purpose for it to be rugby meeting basketball. Why couldn't they have just played basketball or a game of touch football? They want this to be as violent as possible to incur injury. And that is what we're about to watch. Yeah, I think it's like rugby is complicated. Let's just make it basketball, but where people tackle each other. And they have to wear little onesies. (laughs) And Wells sets up that it is a play for time. The winning team is going to get to go to the after party. And we know that this is bullshit. They don't don't do this really anymore. Plays for time are like, it's at least in these bubble seasons, the losers are always coming to the after party as well. So just let that be known. If you're a player on a group date in an upcoming season, and they tell you it's a play for time. Don't get mad if your team loses. And also don't be a sore winner if the losing team gets invited to the after party because it's very likely that's what's going to happen. They do drills, warming up. <laughs> Connor tackles something and Katie calls him a flying squirrel. They perform a move <laughs> called the fantasy suite. Uh... Hunter practices tackles with Katie, says, as far as I'm concerned, I already won today because I got to do tackling drills with her. Now, Wells and Franco change outfits. They're now in yellow blazers and black turtlenecks. They look like they're sweating balls. They're sitting at an announcer table, and they're essentially playing the old roles of Dark Lord Harrison and Fred Willard, who would be the kind of announcers, purveyors of any of these other dates, like the one that they had in um, Basher 25, where the group date was all the players had to dress up as brides and throw paint on each other and tackle each other out in the woods uh the men also have tots they merge in borat onesies and they make them walk slow-mo in a line in their team a shot that they took originally from armageddon i'm just seeing if you're paying attention (laughs) yeah i'm paying attention and it was That shot is made famous from the right stuff. Armageddon took it from that, but whatever. (laughs) Here, it is twisted and shown back to us through this funhouse mirror of The Bachelor where these guys are just fucking like, it's forced nudity, it's forced violence, it's, it's everything we have come to know and love from our game. And the games begin. And Grippo gets the first points for his red team and he's starting to realize, I feel like, Shy Style is only going to get him so far. He's unveiling some alpha male tactics here that Katie actually comments on. This is a new side of Grippo, seeing him as a kind mm. of athlete-type dude. Dark. Surprisingly jacked. By the way, Michael Leo is doing a, a fun little gentle, colorful narration throughout this whole thing. At first, he says, we're going to die. He says, <laughs> after... <laughs> They do an ITM of Aaron saying, this outfit has worked out for me. All those hours in the gym paid off. Hopefully Katie can see this. And I was like, who are they going to show in the ITM right after this? I was like, is it going to be Connor Beat? No, it was a Leo. He says, this is the worst day I've ever had in my life. Everybody here is shredded. I'm here with my dad bod. 
<laughs> and he, Aaron also bullies Hunter in his ITM and says it's funny because he's kind of a, like a circus dude. He looks like one, a person who comes out of a cannon. Oh, boy. And then we see Mike P is about to score for his team, and we get our first taste of Hunter's hyper-aggression. He smashes into Mike P and takes him down, and that kind of starts this cascade of aggression from all the other players. We get this montage of different hard hits. The guys are seemingly trying to kill each other here. Hunter ITMs that he loves the aggression level. He's feeding off of it. And then we get the shot that we've seen in all the promos. Michael A is running, not looking behind himself. And he gets laid out by Justin. I thought that was Hunter from all the promos, but it's mm -hmm. actually Justin. And this is an IFI. Katie runs over to him. He's on the ground saying it's hard to breathe. And Justin ITMs that he feels terrible about this. He does have some remorse for what's done. This did seem like an accident, even though it was like, eh, was it or was it not? I don't know. I mean, like he did tackle the guy as hard as he fucking could. I don't know how accidental that could be. Maybe he just didn't. The outcome was accidental at the very least. Everyone tries to blame Hunter. As do the producers. I mean, they have footage of everybody blaming everybody. They can cut it to be whatever they want. The producers are putting this on Hunter to really villainize him. And then uh, Michael A. eventually sits up. Justin apologizes immediately. And uh, as with all recent Force Violence State, the lead here calls it off when somebody gets seriously hurt. That's the end of it. And she explains that if you leave the bubble, it means you don't come back, which was not true on Claire's season, at least with Dark Lord Harrison. Likely not true here either. But she says the black team was the winner in terms of points, but everybody is a winner. You all get to come to the after party. And we knew that was going to be the case. And this, as, as far as Force Violence group dates go, this one wasn't that bad. Nobody was punching each other in the face. One guy got kind of roughed up a little bit. No ambulances, no blood. That's because Franco was there. <laughs> they were on their best behavior. Franco <laughs> it doesn't seem as, as bad of a date. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Right. Portion five begins. We have the after party of the group date. Another creatureless intro. No creatures in this episode. Katie walks in a red latex dress with the guys. And does the toast. Thanks for putting your heart and soul into the game. And hopefully that's how you'll pursue a relationship. Then she rewards Michael Leo for his IFI with a bachelorette's preference, which is where the lead 
grabs you first for an after party or a cocktail party. And she cringles him an ice pack. And he says it's been a crazy couple days. He re-hits his PTC that yesterday was his wife's birthday. It was a lonely, thoughtful kind of day. Usually I spend it with my family. But you bring comfort in my life, and I think there's something special here. Katie says, I know there's something special here. And he says, I feel really good about us. Me too. Love level one, Michael A., can I kiss you, gets a consent-filled kiss. And he says, you have to come over here. I can't move. Playing up his goddamn IFI in his kiss lead-in lines. Wowie. I thought it was going to be enough to get the group date rose, but there would be a play later that nullified everything he did here. And we will get to that. But Michael A. was not the only one to ask for a kiss. The next one on one time belongs to the cat man himself. He plays her a ukulele with his shirt completely unbuttoned, <laughs> never looking at her the whole time, looking at the uke instead. This is shy style to a T. She tears at the beauty of the song he's played her he asks her for a kiss and gets it this is another shy style play and then we're back with the other guys hunter says he thought the game was fun and the aggression was fun and it seems like aaron doesn't like this answer aaron has now found a new target to aim his 40wr laser at and he itms that he doesn't like him and he talks to james in the shadows about sending hunter home and we know that that now is going to be a rivalry the producers are stoking it and we're going to see that uh aaron's itm i really can't stand this guy he says he's abrupt and has a fuck you mentality i laughed so hard at this line i was like there's no one on planet earth who gives off more of a fuck you mentality than aaron <laughs> literally every guy he looks at he's just like fuck you fuck you fuck you yeah. fuck you <laughs> then we get some one-on-one time with trey he wants to take dance classes with her, learn to salsa. We get one on t- one time with Courtney, which is fucking like, I don't know what the fuck was Clues. going on in this one-on-one time. He reprises his poetry as he makes Katie wrap him in toilet paper and says, I want you to know I'm going to be the toilet paper when shit goes down. Am I on a roll? She laughs. But Courtney, this isn't limo exits. This move <laughs> on the mini date by Courtney was my... Error, 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 error of the game. I get, you know, we make our final four so early, just looking at their Instagrams. Obviously, we're going to be off, but I I get extra disappointed when they make moves like this. And Courtney wrapping himself in fucking toilet paper. Courtney, play us a PTC. Don't you have one? Don't you? What are you doing? I don't even know what to make of this. It was one of the strangest plays I've ever seen. I watched it and I was like, what the actual fuck is going on here? So he brought a roll of toilet paper and was like, okay, for our one-on-one time, I want you to wrap me in this toilet paper just so I can say my line. Or he had two puns basically about it. Yes. It's like, what in the fuck is going on here? It was just, I mean, he got screen time for it. I'll give him that. But this was insane in my opinion. (laughs) This was just a floundering rudderless baseless play it was attached to nothing it was just like i'll make two jokes at my own expense i agree with you big error i didn't think it was as big as the collective error but this was this was in my list of errors as well i mean he also had a couple mini errors leading up to this so i felt like he really deserved it and that was Mm. questioning katie that was questioning blake moines it 
just showed an insecurity in his own gameplay. And obviously, maybe that was justified. This move came off like like he came out of the bathroom and found Katie. It was like, oh, I need to create a mini date really fast. Let me grab something. <laughs> I don't and know. the way they cut it. They cut it. She was already wrapping him with the toilet paper. We got no context that led into how he got to that point. It was just like, wait a no. minute, what's going on? He's, he's <laughs> got toilet paper all over him. What in the fuck is happening? <laughs> but that's what happened. Then we see uh, Mike P has his one-on-one time, and he says he likes to speak in sports terms. So the, today's goal for him is to get to first base. This is a form of the shy style asking for a kiss. He gets it. His cross is out. His cross is very visible. And I have to ask myself... Is that his choice or the producers making him wear that cross on the outside of all of his clothes? I don't know. It's a very strong mm. choice. You know what I mean? You think they would do that? Like pull the cross out of his undershirt and put it? Absolutely. Oh, my God. By the way, th- I thought this was a horrible kiss lead in line. Up there for my errors. Riddled with errors. Was this up. <laughs> yeah, it, it was not a great one, but he did get the kiss nonetheless. And then we cut to some one-on-one time with Hunter. Hunter says (laughs) he has never introduced his children to a woman, but he brought some pics of his kids, and he shows her these pics. This package deal power move was my... Play of the game. He just came off this group date where he exposed a fucking maniacal, super aggressive, super alpha male, super competitive side of his personality. And now he fucking cuts that clean with these pictures of his kid. She starts tearing up. Uh, He says he wants them to meet her, and he wants her to know that. He gets a kiss out of it. He completely softens this image of himself as this, like, brutal barbarian who just wants to, like, draw blood on the battlefield. This was an incredible fucking play, and we're obviously going to see later he gets the group date rose for it. Brilliant. I mean, after the the kiss lead-in line of Virgin Mike and... Courtney's toilet paper maybe it just stood out to you more <laughs> after these bad plays but I do think it was a good kiss lead in line like I want them to meet you I just want you to know that very strong Michael play. Alio re-hit his PTC and had his IFI he was doing everything right in this group date he didn't get the group date rose well I don't think she picks who gets the group date rose doesn't matter you either get it or you don't, based on your play. doesn't matter if she's picking it or producers or whoever. He received it for this play. He received it to make <laughs> aggro Aaron go off. <laughs> Great. You get a zero-point rose, you get a zero-point rose. Like, I can't, right. I can't it's begrudge not, I, I mean, for this. Yeah, this, I, I like the, the long play style. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We will. So, portion six begins. We're back at the resort. There's a knock on the door. It's another date card. This is the second one-on-one. Andrew S. gets it. Let's find our way to love Katie. He's excited but scared. Back at the after party. Courtney says, the group date rose carries the same weight as the fimp rose. That's wrong. Michael (laughs) says, to enjoy his time, uh, he tells everybody here he was widowed. He basically plays his PTC to the second audience. And this shit was fucking bananas. He says, 
we're all here because we want to find a woman to support, to share memories with, to navigate life with. And it's the most beautiful thing when it happens. And when you find it, you try to hold on to it forever. You don't know how long you'll be blessed with that time. I mean, I'm widowed. I was with the same girl for 16 years. And this play of Michael's PTC to the second audience was my play, 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 play of the game. We see players save PTCs for one-on-one dates. That's pretty common at this point. But I felt that we were seeing something absolutely extraordinary with Michael saving his PTC for the second audience once they've really gotten to know him. He pulled tears from multiple members of the second audience. He pulled tears from the fourth audience. Not that hard, but did it. Me. (laughs) (laughs) Hard tears. It was a soft tear for you. I mean, (laughs) then you can get tears from this uh this jaded uh connoisseur of our beloved game I, it's an impressive play he got grippo tears he got self tears and he says this is why i didn't do it earlier everyone's all teary-eyed yesterday was my wife's birthday he, he can't move so greg grippo comes over and hugs him michael says i love you buddy and greg <laughs> sobs in his itm says he says, I had no idea. He walks around with a smile every single day. And I, knowing I worry about the smallest things, it just puts life into perspective. He made me see another side of Grippo. I mean, God, what a play. I agree. Look, this was a fantastic fucking play. It's a straight second audience play. He's already played this for Katie. He's obviously already played it for producers. He's obviously already played it for us. But here he gets maximum advantage out of this PTC by playing it solely for the second audience. I loved it. And what was one of the most interesting things out of it is that in the end of this, Grippo says he knows he has to step it up a little bit to show Katie what she means to him. And I don't know if that's specifically because he's like, oh, this thing Michael just said about like not having enough time and we have to cherish our time. If that really got to him on a philosophical level or if he's like, fuck, this dude's good. I got to yeah. fucking outplay him now. I think it might be something that. like that. I mean, I do feel like... I mean, part of the reason this is my play of the game is because I feel like this was an amazing audition for Crown. Totally. If they're going to go that direction. I completely agree with you. And then we get into one-on-one time with Grippo himself. Katie says she's noticed he's a little off. Resting sad face is what she says he has all the time, (laughs) like a lost puppy dog. I hate to break it to you, Katie. That shy style. He promises to be better to her. And he LL1s her. He says, I'm completely crazy about you. And he says, it's so hard, but you're so worth it. And he feels it with her. She says one of her biggest fears is him leaving. And he promises he's never going to do that. And he does not ask for the kiss here, which would have been a standard shy style move. He just gets it, which is, I think, a pivot for him. This is an augmentation of shy style where he's showing her that he can come out of shy style when he needs to which is you have to be versatile if you're gonna do shy style i think i don't think it takes you to the end what he's doing here shows that he does have the skill to maybe go all the way and then he loads an ll3 and an itm i am falling in love with katie 
Katie returns to the group, picks up that group date rose, and Hunter gets it. That, again, is why he got my play of the game. And Grippo ITM's surprise at Hunter getting the rose and not getting it himself. He thought that he did all the right plays, and he did some good plays, but not what Hunter did. And then Aaron targets his next opponent, uh, saying that Hunter comes off fake, and a lot of guys see it, and he wants to make sure Katie sees it too. So we're setting up an eventual title that's going to come. It doesn't come this episode, but next week we're going to get that fucking title. Portion 7 begins. It is a red, hazy morning. Andrew S. is getting ready for his one-on-one date. He says he woke up at 7.30 a.m. and could not sleep. He's ready to do a deep dive into Katie. And then night falls. So we get this brief thing of Andrew S. being up at 7.30 in the morning, but his date is not until the night? Is that a change in plans? Is this the producers fucking with him? I don't understand this at all. But then we get this image of Katie walking down a path, carrying two lanterns in the night, and the group or the one-on-one date is about to begin. She is wearing all leather. Very important. And she takes Andrew into the woods. He says, what am I about to do? Fight a bear or something? No, Andrew S. This is not labor of love. This is the <laughs> bachelorette. <laughs> they did that on that show. They made a person in bear costume scare the shit out of people. Uh, <laughs> Andrew says, I'm about to start running. Katie says, are you ready for our journey to begin? They count down. She connects two cords in the woods. And lights light up on what they probably can't identify, but there is a bunch of cards hanging from the trees. Andrew calls her a sneaky devil, you. And they're supposed to grab these envelopes and you have to, quote, lift your partner up when times get hard. So each envelope has a thing to bring them closer together. Andrew lifts her for the cards. First is show me your signature dance moves. Andrew shows her his dolphin dance. And his wolf wolf noise. And he gets a little bit of a full edit of music over this entire one-on-one date. Back at the house, Hunter is talking about not knowing if Andrew S. is coming back or not. He can't really gauge how good his game is. And then back on the one-on-one date, they are both in agreement that Sundays are their favorite days. And they agree to be lazy together. He picks her up for some more envelopes. And we get this thing that asks them, would you rather tell the truth? and hurt your partner, or lie and not hurt your partner. She asks if her outfit makes her look fat. He says, no, absolutely not, and we get a kiss here. What do you mean we get a kiss here? Did you not see what happened? They hoojoot. What? Yes. She ran up, hoojoot him to grab the card. Oh, fuck. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that. I didn't even see that. Okay, I hope it counts as a hoojoot. Fuck, I'll have to look. I don't know. I, I, my head must have been down. I must have been typing away feverishly at our 100-page document. Literally 100 pages. It seemed like they were trying to do it because Katie runs to Huju him to grab a card, and then Katie says, we did it. And it made me think like they were like, let's do a Huju one. <laughs> Shit. I'll have to go back and look. I can't believe I missed it. But they kiss after the Huju. Then they break a bunch of hanging hearts. And ask each other questions again. Again, it's like physical question prompts. This date, I thought, was it was bad. It was boring, visually uninteresting, just like a, a waste of time, essentially. They should have just cut to the dinner. All these one-on-one dates that are like these bubble one-on-one dates, 
most of them mm-hmm. are terrible. Like, absolutely abysmal. This was one of them, in my opinion. Well, it's just like you want it to be some... If they're having these conversations, you want it to be something that's more visually interesting so that you can have, like, the, you have the... You already have the sitting still dinner conversation that's emotional. If it's all them just, like, standing around or, like... I don't know. Um, she asks, what's something you learned from your parents' relationship? He tells her, I learned a lot of what not to do. They're wearing safety goggles. Andrew says, I learned not to leave my partner hanging even when things are tough. You can miss out on a lot on your life with your partner and your kids. I don't want to miss out on time. Good thing I have eyewear. It's getting dusty in here. Katie says she learned not to settle to take time to find your forever. And we get another kiss here. Then they enter a room with some light-up beach balls. Some have instructions on them. Things like, tell me a secret. She says, I like you. And he's like, is that really a secret? No, that's an L-O-1. She ITMs <laughs> that they have fun and there's physical chemistry. We get another kiss. And then she ITMs this phrase. I hope tonight is the start of falling for him. What is that? I wrote almost an LL2 question mark. <laughs> yeah, I had LL1.5. <laughs> Never quite heard it worded that way. She's kind of inching toward an LL2 here, but interesting wording. And then portion eight begins. It is night still, and we have Andrew S. and Katie are in a dining room. They sit at a table. They have some drinks. He says he's always had to hide personal sides of himself. Because being a football player, he's had to be so macho. And she asks him what makes him who he is in this exact moment. And he begins some PTCs. The first of which is that when he was six years old, his father got locked up. He fell in love with football, which was kind of his escape. But it hurt playing sports and being around people who have complete families. You're always looking in the stands for someone to be like, you did really well. I had a really good game and had nothing. Then he says... I there are things that you cherish that your father has done and that made me break down. I didn't realize why my father was. How could anyone not want to be there for every moment? How could you fuck that up? There's not a chance in the world I'm going to miss any moment, whether that's a band or concert. I'm going to be there for my kid. He's future casting here. He's punctuating his PTC, what he learned before. He's saying what he's learned on this journey from Katie. The way he is playing this is so, so good. By the way, um, did you see this that Clay Harbor tweeted during this? He said, I've always admired my cousin for overcoming so much adversity growing up to become the man he is today. He's genuine, authentic, and one of the best people I know. Sorry, we're not even done with the PTCs. But Katie says her own PTC. I grew up with divorced parents, did sports. We've both learned these lessons. I want the forever. Andrew says, when you start understanding me, that's when things change for me. I'm so all in on this whole thing. Leads me to my next part. I hate to have this. I see something between us. I am a black man and you're a white woman. Interracial couples, there's things that people look at differently. One of my exes back in the day, she was worried about having mixed children. I know her heart. She's not a racist, but she was worried about going to the grocery store and someone asking, are these your kids? And they don't look like her. And it was someone I thought I was going to propose to soon. Hearing that was tough. So this is a both a heartbreak and a racism PTC. Almost my play of the game, this one. Um, and Katie says that 
breaks my heart to hear that you experience that. I feel so naive as a white woman of the struggles you experience as a black man, especially a black man trying to date a white woman. For me, I think our love could be so beautiful and our children will be just as beautiful as that love. And I don't give a fuck when people want to look at me. And <laughs> Andrew says, I don't give a fuck about that. Also, everyone is swearing along with Katie. I love that they're picking up on this energy. And uh, he says, I'm so long we're on the same. I'm so glad we're on the same page. As long as we got each other and keep our children safe. Katie says, I'm a strong woman and I will be a mama bear. And then Andrew says, I've really fallen for your heart. I believe in love. You're getting me really close. I've never connected with a woman on this level. I'm giving this a love level two. What do you think? What? I give it a love level three. I've fallen for your heart. It's not I'm in love with you it's not i've fallen in love with you it's not i'm falling in love with you but i feel like it's it's closer to i'm past tense so he's in love with her heart that's not quite her though to me that is i'm falling in love with you it's like i'm in love with your heart now i'm falling in love with you that's where i I believe in love love. it's like love adjacent all right i'll give you a love level three for that boom andrew s love level three Katie says, I think you're fantastic. I believe you'll be the best husband. I believe you'll be the best father. And I feel really fortunate you're here with me. They kiss. He loads love level three. Says, I definitely see myself falling in love with Katie. I'm a happy man. And then there's, they don't have a rose, but they go to a hot tub where Katie pours champagne. And then she gives him the rose in the hot tub. Has this happened before? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Rose in hot tub. Very common. Very I, common. I know I've seen that happen. <laughs> I know. I feel like I've seen it, but I was like, usually they give it at the dinner portion. I thought that was an interesting, interesting moment. You can't pin a rose on a bare chest. Not yet. Then she loads. I could see myself falling in love. That's an LL3 load in her ITM. After we get a few kisses and then we begin. That's a two. I can see myself. I can see myself falling in love. Yeah, you're right. It's L2. The the, the wording of all the fucking love levels in this episode was so fucking weird. I'm scrambling. I know. It's confusing. Yeah, I think that's a two. I can see myself. Often sets up a two. I can see myself. I'm starting to. Yeah, I There's a world where... But congratulations to Andrew Russ on this perfectly played one-on-one date. Made the most of what he got. I agree. It was fantastically done. And then we begin portion number nine, morning breaks. The guys are getting ready for the cocktail party. Michael ITMs that he expects the rose ceremony to be intense. Hunter, Andrew S., and Blake already have roses. They are safe. And we get some shots of the guys sitting around awkwardly. Hunter applies chapstick. Katie enters. And Brendan gives her the first responder drink, and she tells them it's been easy and fun with everyone this week, and she sees her husband in this room. She professes the sacred invocation, which usually we get that on night one from a bachelor, but here we're getting it in week four from a bachelorette, and Justin gets the first one-on-one time. He came up with a game. They're in a, a dry climate, presumably. These men are probably applying chapstick all the time. We only see Hunter do it. Villain edit. You think the chapstick edit is a Why villain? Why they put that edit? in? Yeah. 
He's getting ready to kiss. Rose in pocket. Oh, gonna fuck, get a kiss. You're right. You're right. I know. Yeah. Why else Weird. Would do it? I know. God, what fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Praise be our beloved game. <laughs> Justin gets the first one on one time, and he's come up with a little game to let them get to know each other a little bit. It's an either or game with these note cards that Bad have game. I accept versus thank you for your feedback. It doesn't quite make sense grammatically. The structure of this is weird. And there are things like, would you rather go without sex or music for a year? And she even says like, I accept. And he's like, oh, that means you would do music over sex. And she's like, no, no, no. I want sex over music. So even the way he's positioned this game, she doesn't quite know how to play it. This is was a mess to me. It was a nice attempt at making a little mini date. It was a failure. Trey then starts talking about his feelings with the other guys and how he's feeling about that night. Hunter says, good Lord. He's thinking only about one-on-ones in hometowns, as he says in an ITM, and he's being consumed by this competitive aggression here. At least that's what they're presenting to us. Then Hunter gets Rose in pocket one-on-one time. He tries very hard to isolate her. Katie says, we really are going far. He says, it's our 1.5 week anniversary, and he has set up a telescope and strawberries. And he says the telescope, by the way, he brought it from home. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Really? I don't think so. Half of it's a telescope. (laughs) Yeah, I think the producers have set all this up. Obviously, even if he did bring it from home, the producers had to manufacture this entire event for him. The strawberries, setting up the telescope, putting the pillows on the little couch, having this little mini date. And she even says, this is a mini one-on-one date. She says those words. She understands the game implicitly here. And that is correct. This is exactly what it is. And this is a very good play by Hunter, a very high-level thing to do. Whether you get the producer's help or not, even if you do get the producer's help, that's even a higher level to isolate her like this, to have the telescope, to do everything he's doing here. Perfectly fucking done. Yeah, it's not wrapping yourself in fucking toilet paper, that's for sure. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> then James and Aaron watch this all go down, and James decides to go in for a steal. He's not going to let Hunter force him to turtle here. And portion 10 opens with. Picking up right where we left off. James is coming for the steal. He wants to interrupt. He walks up and he's like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Hunter fucking blocks. Not right now. I'm going to need a couple more minutes, bud. I literally just got here. And James accepts the block. He skulks off and he waits his turn a little further down the path. (laughs) This was a brilliant fucking block. It was just a straight denial. If you're going to come in for a steal, you don't ask. You say you're doing it. Hey, I need to talk to her. You don't say, can I take her for a minute? Don't give the person you're stealing from the option of saying no. Don't phrase it as a question. Here, James does that, and Hunter takes advantage of it. He's like, fuck you, dude. Kick rocks. And it works. Uh, He leaves. And Hunter gets a few more moments alone. And she says that she hopes the rose she gave him gives him some reassurance. We know that this is all producer manufactured. She doesn't actually care about Hunter. She is keeping him around because the producers have told her to. Nonetheless, she's giving valid reasons here. And then James finally does come in and gets that steal on a second attempt. And Hunter ITMs that he's pissed. And he says, I lost some time, but I'm damn sure going to get it back. And we see this, what is going to be a cascade of conversations about time. Everybody's yeah. time copping. Everybody All understands time that now. 
Katie tells James in their one-on-one time she appreciated him being bold. He says, I've been burned before. Need you to know tonight that I have feelings for you. They grow every day. It would be a big regret not telling you that. Love level one to James. They make out. This is a very loud kiss. Did you notice this? I didn't notice that, but this is one of the conversations that he says he knows time is the most precious asset. This is the first time cop that we get right after Hunter says it. And then Aaron and Trey are sitting on a couch talking about how little time they have. You should accept that, especially if you already have a rose, you should let other guys go ahead of you is basically what they're talking about. And it's like, these motherfuckers don't understand the game. Rose in hand does not mean you get less time at the rose ceremony or you let other people go ahead of you. It just doesn't. Like, that's Rose the worst place you can make. Rose in hand means you send make. a fucking bouquet during your, your one-on-one time. Nick Vial style. Exactly. And then James comes in to talk to Aaron and Trey. Trey is still turtling. James thinks, again, he's now saying Rose in hand should mean you have to wait to get your time until the turtles have all gone. It's like, motherfucker, if you're turtling, it is on you to get time. It is not on somebody who already has a rose to give you their time. That's not how this game works. Then Hunter comes over and joins the party. And James says, you have a rose. You should give other guys a chance. Trey says, you're in a position of safety. And I'm not in a position of safety. And Hunter plays this brilliantly. He's essentially getting a 4TWR attack here from these turtles. And Hunter is just like, hey, I understand. I didn't realize. I'm sorry. He apologizes to them. He tries to placate the second audience. A lesser player here would have been like, fuck you. I'm taking my time. I don't give a shit about you. You have to make your time. We've seen other players do that. He plays this pretty expertly. He's not combative at all. And Trey says that if you have a rose in hand and you get one-on-one time before a turtle, that's a form of disrespect. And Hunter then ITMs his true feelings about this. He says he doesn't give a fuck about what any of them think. But we've just watched him be like, I'm sorry, dude. You're right. You're right. Fucking brilliant. Absolutely love this. And then ultimately, Hunter sits down next to Courtney and Brendan, and they're all talking about being desperate for time, more time copping. This entire segment is about turtling and the nature of exactly how to play a second audience game when you have Rose in hand. Again, Hunter put on a a master performance here. Exactly correct. You can never relent in this game. Even if you have Rose in hand, you have to get your time. Take the lead away isolate them take them on a mini date and then when you get accused of fucking disrespecting people you're just like sorry dude i didn't know and that's exactly what he did the whole time it was brilliant i thought i also like that they're inserting the word thomas for 4twr i'm not saying you're a thomas but like you're kind of being thomasy right now (laughs) (laughs) he's forever just gonna be the 4twr guy of this season (laughs) and then Tasia and Caitlin come out. We get no tings, but they do take Katie away to the deliberation room where she will begin to make, in quotes, her choices, a.k.a. the producers will tell her the order of the guys getting kicked off tonight. First flower, FF, goes to GG, the gripster, Grippo. Grippo's RQ, by the way, may be the best in history. He's, we're <laughs> at four roses right now. He's got two zeros, a two, and a one. Wow. I don't know what how long he's gonna last through the game. I don't know what other roses he's got coming. But he's this gonna could quit be... early to get the best RQ. <laughs> <laughs> he gets a one a fucking one on one date rose next week and it's like, I'm out RQ point oh two five or whatever. I mean look, 
I'm very curious to see what his final RQ is. I think he may be the best Rose Quotient in the history of the game. He's on track to do it. His shy style, his sad puppy is doing it. Give me a high number. I mean, technically, Moines is in it as well. Moines has one zero-point Rose. Yeah, he's definitely we'll at an advantage going in a later round. Aaron gets the second flower. Michael A, third. Connor B, James, Justin, Virgin, Mike, Brendan. And the last flower goes to Turtle or Time Cop, Trey. Goodbye to two of my original Final Four, Andrew M and Toilet Paper Courtney. Toilet Paper Courtney was in my Final Four, too. In between Brendan and Trey... The duo, Caitlin and Tasha come out. Tasha gets the dark touch before the final rose. Caitlin actually here gets a true Tamsig. She says, gentlemen, I'm sorry if you did not receive a rose. Please take a moment and say your goodbyes. She says Go. the exact phrase that Dark Lord Harrison said. Is she usurping his role? I don't know, but this is the first real Tamsig we've seen for the whole season. Then we get a really interesting play here. Aaron starts to try to do the cheers, and Hunter performs a rare steal on the cheers. <laughs> and I'm like, did that happen? That could have been editing. They cut it to look like he was swooping in. That could have been two Ooh. different toasts that they cut to make it look like he was fucking over Aaron because they're building that rivalry. I think that was fake. Wow. That didn't even cross my mind. I got to always assume there's a bag of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the best promo I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> the promo, I don't know for the rest of the, it must be for the rest of the season. Not the next episode. Yeah, there, I mean, we saw shit from hometowns in this promo. We did? Oh, God, there were two people in this promo that are not players. They're, Blake Moines is talking to some woman. I That may be his sister. I think they may have tipped their hat there that he gets a hometown. Mm. There was also some other woman who is not a player talking about, um, she said at some point, if he doesn't propose, I don't know how she's going to get over this or something. So I don't know if that's mm. one of Katie's friends that's come out or it's a family member of someone. I don't know. Would they spoil but family members? That's that's messed up. There were two of them in this promo. Maybe they're spirit guides. Could, yeah, that's true. It could, <laughs> they could be some kind of group date or one-on-one date guide. But we get a bunch of kissing. We get a bunch of tears. We get somebody reading a poem. We get a truck driving down a road. Somebody is going to show up unexpectedly. They're teasing that to make it seem like someone else is about to crash this season. Is it a skeleton? Is it another player trying to come in for an even later entry into the game? I don't know. We haven't seen a bubble season skeleton. I would like to see it. Hey, I'm, I've actually been dating that guy. I'll quarantine for a week to go and break his shit up. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking insane if, oh my god they'll do it fuck it what do they got to there's lose there's Katie love level fouring we see a bunch of romantic dates Katie's crying someone's maybe self eliminating Grippa says I'm gonna leave everyone is crying Katie is sobbing between her two ladders and then we get the tag Franco Acosta telling 
the group date players to open up their chakras. They're doing these hip squats. And then he shows them the gazelle jump. And this gazelle was my... <laughs> creature of the week. week, 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 week. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. It's a, it's symbolic. This is a metaphorical creature of the week. It was a beautiful gazelle. He's asking, "Where's the movement? Where's the passion?" He's inspiring them. It's a beautiful artistic form. He's doing things that Shaq could never. And I loved it. And this basically was a creatureless episode, so I felt like Costa deserved this one as well. <laughs> All right. Who was your MVP from tonight's big game? Andrew S. was my... M-M-M-M-V-P. He had a barrage of PTCs in this date, and... It could come off like, you know, heavy, whatever, but he is able to keep it lighthearted. He's able to get these great kiss lead-in lines. I thought his, he's just so, he's so charismatic, and he just, he played it perfectly. Um, I almost gave him the play of the game for that heartbreak uh, racism PTC. And like, going there with that conversation you know it was I thought it was really excellent he's future casting about like them with their future kids and showing up for their kids and um he comes off extremely for TRR is just like constantly giving her compos she's an amazing woman the more you learn about her you just want more and more his loading of his love level three his love level three or his love level two hard to say um yeah i would say runner up michael leo with that with my play of the game that um second audience ptc yeah both of them played pretty good games but hunter was my M M M M M V P. Usually, as I said in the opening of this episode, when you're in these mid-season weeks, you're watching floaters just waiting to get picked off. Hunter was a floater up until tonight. Now he's taking a mid-season villain turn that is going to eke out at least another episode or two worth of a rivalry plot against Aaron. And tonight he put on a master class in what to do on a group date, what to do when you get a 4TWR attack, how to play Rose in hand, how to take a villain turn and then soften it by playing a package deal. That's a late season package deal. I just thought it was fantastically done. He was the main character of this entire episode this entire game he did already play his package deal i mean seeing them though to bring out pictures oh, of these kids yeah look right. here and not only pictures of the kids here's me with the kids look at what a mm-hmm. good dad i would be yeah i just thought it was a brilliant play 
And obviously he's got producer help to be doing all of this shit, which in my mind is another indicator that he's playing at a higher level. Look, we only have stats for The Bachelor, but the average lead villain placement is 6.88. That's almost round of six. That's pretty good. So we'll see where Hunter winds up, but that is it. That's the breakdown. That's our coverage of tonight's big game. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back in 48 short hours to deliver this week in Bachelor Nation news to you. There's a lot of big news already happening. Dark Lord Harrison may be on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, The next Bachelorette, there's a celebrity whose name is being tossed around in that category, and we will be discussing that. And of course... Please go to bonfire.com slash hooju and you can pick up our brand new Game of Roses hooju shirt in, I believe we have five different colors, whatever color you most like, and you can represent your love of the sub game at all of your next (laughs) viewing parties or even out on the street. You can have people asking you, what the fuck is a hooju? And you can show them. And send us videos of you in your doo-doo hoodoo shirt hoodooing. <laughs> when you get the shirt, which will when be in you a get month. The shirt again. In a month. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll issue that reminder later. <laughs> but thanks once again, everybody, and we will see you on Thursday. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been seven thousand and forty-three days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME.
That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. (laughs) 